0: I think the most important lesson was don't stick with like a rigid investment thesis. Adapt. Yeah, adapt and and learn from other people. And I think what I've learned over the years in Vancouver and Toronto and, and kind of future cities is that there is always strong, strong demand. Like people make bets on Vancouver for two reasons. You have incredible demand and you have these significant supply constraints.
1: Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or Everybody whatever else that is on our minds. It's going to like blow out the, <laughs> I may have to edit in a proper one. We'll see how it goes. That's pretty awesome. That's not bad, right? It's redlining harsh on the recording, so we'll see if it <laughs> works or not. Are we, are we ready to rock after this?
2: Good to go? Cut it out. Here we go. I think it's working. Okay. I don't know. All right. Uh, Welcome back, everybody, for a very fun uh, in-person episode of the Tom Story Show, your Sunday weekly real estate roundup podcast. I can't guarantee when this episode is going to come out because we're going to basically record a lot when we are here in Vancouver. Stephen, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, man. It's nice. You're Air Canada. You should have gone West Jet. Well, I was only like an hour and a half late, which isn't too bad. But literally, I landed here And I thought like, okay, I'd just hang out for a bit and right away I just find out that we're just like recording all day long. We're going straight Steve just like you're you're in Vancouver, but come to my dark basement, my bat cave, and let's just talk on microphone. I mean,
1: we're recording the next one next week, right? You're here for like don't don't go too far back. I'm here for a month. Yeah.
2: Except no, I'm not if you're a client (laughs) listening. (laughs) I'm definitely not here for a month um welcome back to the show i appreciate everyone uh being here if you're listening on the audio platforms or watching on youtube if you're watching on youtube all we ask is you give this episode a big fat like and subscribe if you have not we're on the track to get the three thousand subscribers and the goal publicly putting it out there is to get there by the fall kind of on the track that we've been on so far so we appreciate you being here if you're listening on the audio platforms and have not already make sure to give us a review on to this week's guest who's physically here. I could touch him. I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll let you be over there. Uh, Adam Scalina has joined us. The OG, I would say, of real estate podcasting. So you guys have had the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast for eight years. You're with Oakland Real Estate Downtown.
0: Welcome, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. And I guess I'm the f- the first of today of the many recordings today.
1: You're the first this week. Then we got next week. Ah, okay. Yeah. I All can right. tell he's better at this than us because his audio is like already so much better. So we're good. I, I'm leaning in. I'm yeah, leaning there you in. Go. sounds real good. I'm we're ex-
0: actually way closer here than I thought we were going to be when it's I set close this up. quarters. Yeah, so, <laughs> so. no footsies. <laughs> Uh, no, well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, our producer actually is called the uh, the Father. so I'll take OG over. Uh, I guess because Father's already taken. So, do you have like a full production? We, yeah you know what over the years we've kind of optimized it just so we we haven't uh every year we're trying to make it easier right and it's like the news the weekly news around your neck that you you know you always got to put out an episode right so anything that we can actually streamline and and outsource we're we're trying to do yeah so cool wow. and so do
2: you guys have a certain time every single week that you record always how does it work on your end
0: uh we usually do like tuesday or wednesday mornings yep. if we can get people in studio um you release that week uh no we try to like right now we have, we're we probably about four episodes ahead but oh, wow. we, we kind of it depends we sometimes we can front load other yeah. times we're like scrambling to get we something do the out same thing. Yeah, yeah. um so yeah so just and usually we record early in the week and then we release every thursday so so eight years ago why did you start a podcast because i feel like it was like
2: now it's like everybody and their best friend has a podcast right Eight years ago, what was the mindset? Like, first of all, Actually I guess us. it's literally us. So <laughs> us. Um, but so first of all, let's go back bef- before you answer that. Years in real estate. Like, how did yep. you get to that point that now I'm sure you're well known from other things, but like on the online community, you're known for the, being a podcast host, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's strange. So, I mean, I, I started selling real estate in twenty. 20- end of 2010, uh, beginning okay. of 2011. Um, so, uh, my brother joined me in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we were kind of growing our team at that time and we actually, uh, we would have some guys from the office that we'd head out and usually have like a pint of beer after a long day of work. And we'd talk about the market and we would talk about upcoming neighborhoods and we'd talk about how the city's changing and where the opportunities are. And we'd have these conversations. Like we were just real estate obsessed, right? I mean, we're still real estate obsessed. But we uh, but now you've monetized it. <laughs> well, well well, part of it was uh, we were actually looking for we were looking for other podcasts, and we couldn't find anything. There was like bigger pockets at the time, yep. mm-hmm. uh, obviously very US focused, which doesn't do much when you're a Canadian real estate investor. Um, and so we yeah, we started the show uh, and then we put it out there, and the downloads were surprisingly high. And so we were kind of like, ah, oh, man, this is maybe like first to market. Like, we better hustle yeah. and actually kind of grow this thing. Um, so we just kept kept going with it. But That's, yeah, it's been fantastic.
2: So, so eight eight years later, is it now getting to the point that you get so many downloads that you're like walking down the street downtown Vancouver and someone's like, "Hey, I listen to the podcast." Like, no, no kind of he stayed happening? off of YouTube. He's smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> recognizes nobody recognizes oh, me. Oh, true. Uh,
0: it's funny though. Like we we're now. Um, we're, we're still growing, I would say, but we're like a regional show, right? Yep. So, you know, if we were a Canadian real estate show, our numbers would probably be larger, but we've kind of kept it focused regionally just because it, uh, we're about thirty, forty thousand 40,000 downloads a month. Um, wow. so it's, it, but it's, it's very targeted, right? right? So for us, like the value is like the riches are in the niches kind of thing. Right. So it's, and, and that's what we're, um, that's kind of what we've been, uh, working with is just kind of staying hyper-local. If you listen to our show, we're not going to be talking about, you know, Sudbury or something like that typically. Um, We do touch on some of the larger markets and we touch on the province, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tailored for BC.
2: So So when are we getting you guys more consistent on YouTube then, so we can see your face and people see you guys on YouTube? No, they are
0: on YouTube, but you're not as
2: consistent as you are on the our our
0: tagline before, and we still have it at the end of our outro. But is faces for radio? So we've kind of always we've kind of (laughs) always that's us too, but we just still record ourselves. I I find uh, you know what the other thing is is like we're not super tech savvy, so this year we're doing more with Instagram and social, but Yeah. um, yeah, YouTube's still a bit of a black box for us. So. Well, I'd say between YouTube, TikTok,
2: and Twitter, YouTube's the best place to be. Is it? Well, 100%. <laughs> yeah. in terms of comments. Oh
0: I had to get rid of Twitter. I couldn't. Sam, uh, honestly. And,
2: congratulations. Yeah. Uh, your life will be way better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's also it's funny, the guys I know that do the most business in our market at least, they don't they don't monitor the market every thirty seconds. Like they just push through and they sell real estate and they do exceptionally well right 100 percent correct (laughs) it's like twitter will 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 ruin your your day your week your month whatever well and and it's
2: a pretty easy like formula to get followership you just be very very negative about things you try to scare people and people will follow you yeah exactly that's how you i mean same thing as youtube i guess Mm -hmm. and we've seen that
1: Cut, well, trying to I mean, go the other direction, but we try to go the other. Oh, we don't with our titles
0: and thumbnails. Well, we right? got to get
1: you to like, click on it. Is but. this
0: episode going to be called like why the market's going to crash in six months? It is now. <laughs> now it, is. it is now. <laughs> it's exactly now what it's, it's going to be said. Called. Why yeah. the Vancouver market's <laughs> crashing.
1: No, you got to take something from, I mean, it's an hour long conversation. So you got to take something from it and, yeah. and stick it in. And then if you are dealing with the comments, they're only focused on price. And that's it. And they're all geniuses on exactly what they know when the right time to get in, which is never right. It's always going to crash. And I don't know. It's just, we're trying to kind of grow an audience that has a little bit more nuance to it. Sure. Ideally. Right. Like I'm obviously, uh, really, I'm on the, on track of like home ownership. Home ownership is one of the, the, probably other than getting married and becoming a dad, the coolest thing I ever did. Sure. Right. And everybody's thinking about this from investment. Investors are terrible people. And it's like, it's so much more simple than that. Like the pride you have in owning your own real estate is something that you can't describe to the trolls in the comments. Because I don't know if they don't experience it. Maybe they hate their own houses if they have them. But it's just, home ownership is the thing. And then when you get there, like I think it was Nolan, it was like, when you buy that first investment, like... I think Jazz the Car says it. He's like it's like the best drug ever, man. <laughs> Cuz it's just like there's something about just investing and doing better, trying to grow yourself, trying to grow your net worth. That's just so awesome. Right? Yeah. And I just don't
2: know if they I mean the trolls are never going to get it. It is what it is. It's just it's a small Minority of people commenting mm. and I've it's always the same probably for you guys whether it's like reviews or people emailing you or whatever It's like the people that love listening to you every single week don't tell you sure they move on with their life It's the people that have something negative to say and like whenever people ask me to say like in Toronto Like hey, do you like this developer? Where's a place I can go to learn about them? I'm like here's a place you can go, but it's only going to be negative negative because people don't leave positive reviews unless they're specifically asked to, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so we we talked about uh, home ownership, which is great, but then the next level is investment. I know you guys are really passionate about the investment side.
0: You have to be. It's downtown Vancouver, well, right? You know what? It's interesting, but I mean, this is probably the same in Toronto, um, I would imagine. But just because of our real estate prices here, we always kind of, you know, we sit down with people that are buying their first home, whatever. You still have to have that investment side, yeah. in the background, right? Because so we still use strategies that are very investor kind of focused because the reality is, is a lot of people have to climb through the market here. So you have to make a good investment to make sure that you have equity to move into yeah. the next. So it's 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 the property ladder, right? So um, from that perspective, we are, yeah, and we invest in real estate ourselves, residential and commercial. So, and we have for a number of years. So we're- what does that portfolio look like? Um. Right now, I've got uh seven seven doors residential, and um then joint. Um, I did uh, like a JV. Yep. Uh, for uh, I think we're at about fourteen or fifteen commercial doors. And that's that's all in Vancouver or BC. In BC. In BC. So uh, so the markets spread out between Vancouver, um, Vancouver, Kelowna, and the Okanagan, and then on the island, Victoria and Nanaimo. Interesting, and that's been going well for you, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's been incredible. Um, I mean, we, I, I, came, I grew up in Winnipeg, so okay. I, uh, I, I feel like I flew what, over Winnipeg today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah not much to see. <laughs> um, it, it's funny. I mean, it's it's a great place to grow up, but the the thing about I always feel like my superpower of being in the Lower Mainland is everything's beautiful to me and everything's amazing to me. And I see the opportunity in markets where people that grew up here uh, think, oh, that's like where, you know, that's a shithole or, that's right. a, you know, that's like where I got my hat stolen when I was a kid and that's a bad part of town or whatever, right? I mean, it's all amazing to me. So that's actually a really good point. It's, you perceive something a certain way because that's what you were told as a kid. Stigmas, right? Yeah. Like stigmas. Like I'm sure in Toronto, there's certain areas where 100%. you're like, oh man, like even like parts of Surrey or parts of East Van where I live, like East Vancouver, like a lot of people are like, oh man, like from the West side. It's mm-hmm. like. So you're the, thinking
2: when you're driving over to Steve's house, say so you're like, oh, this piece of shit. Oh my I cannot yeah. believe that. As soon that. as you go over the Alex Fraser <laughs> Bridge, you're just like, oh no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, hey, I live in, in East Van and it's like the same thing. A lot of people always say, oh, you're in East Van, like. You know, like we used to have this kid on our, on our team who grew up in Yale Town, and he was like, I better like, you know, pack my bulletproof vest to visit you in East Vancouver. And I was like, oh, okay, give me a break. But yeah. So moving
2: forward. So, you know, we all sell in markets that are relatively expensive, right? And it's one thing to buy the property that you're going to live in. And I've got four doors myself. I've invested. Steve's got, a, got an investment property as well. You start breaking down the numbers and it's not like it was a decade ago where you can buy something twenty percent down in cash flow. Like those days are gone. Yeah. And specifically in my market, I'm sure Did you it's say the
1: same. a decade ago.
2: Yeah. You couldn't cash flow a decade in ago. Yeah? In
0: Toronto you, oh, could. Toronto you could. Yeah. Oh, Toronto, yeah. Toronto you could a decade ago. Maybe I, eight years ago. I yeah. I was even thinking maybe closer than that. But yeah. But Toronto's always been kind of a better cash flow market than Vancouver. Uh, from my perspective, yeah. like looking at just what like downtown rents are versus price per door, although that 's changed a lot right?
2: it 's so. changed now it 's like now you 're at thirty five forty percent to break even maybe uh, right um right. so why are people so obsessed with investing in Vancouver in Toronto if you don 't cash flow you got to put a lot of money down if you put twenty percent down you 're negative of course, the answer is is capital appreciation over time, but but that could take a long time. And what we've seen the last few years is you can get caught on the wrong side of it and lose a bunch
0: of money as well. Right. Right. I actually, um, one of the first books I read, which I'm sure everybody, all your listeners have read and everybody reads, was like the rich dad, poor dad. Sure, you know, pay yourself first. Um, pay yourself first, but also that anything that didn't cash flow was a liability, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I kind of always had that mind mindset. And I think one of the sorry, things- wealthy barber was pay yourself first. Never oh, yeah, Go yeah, on. yeah. But but still, like the same idea yeah. applies, right? And it's it's the it's this idea that um, as you're as you're going through your you know, real estate journey or whatever you want to call it, your investment thesis will change over time, right? And I remember, and I think the most important lesson was don't stick with like a rigid investment thesis. Adapt. Yeah, adapt and and learn from other people. And I think what I've learned over the years in Vancouver and Toronto and, and kind of future cities is that there is always strong, strong demand. Like people make bets on Vancouver for two reasons. You have incredible demand and you have... These significant supply constraints, right, and that's kind of perpetual here. Like it's almost it's it's a almost an impossible cycle to break. And so the demand, it's like we are like one the definition of like a fifteen minute city, right. We're super health conscious. Super
2: controversial topic online. It seems yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Speaking that would be titles. the other title. <laughs> 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 um,
0: but like we're, you know what I mean. We're super walkable. We're super beautiful. Yeah. Super health conscious. Um, we've got the robust economy with tech. We're part of Cascadia, so we've got you know um, a ton of uh, future in, uh, industries in our market. High paying jobs. Um, we've got a lot of migration the last like in the last uh last year alone we were 150,000 new people entered bc um you know thinking about with uh immigration now at a million people a year or whatever is going to going to be the new norm uh, a lot of them are going to settle in the lower mainland and mm-hmm. and uh on top of that it's like we're safe we're we we've got great education um and we operate as part of the pacific rim as well so it's it's kind of it's it's a really well positioned city in Canada mm-hmm. um, and North America, and then on top of that, we have had uh, the worst supply constraints. Like, if you think first of all, geographically, uh, you know, we got the mountains to the north, we've got the ocean to the west, we've got the U.S. border to left the to south, go. and yeah, and the agricultural land reserve to the east, right? So we're very locked in in this region. So we can go only go up, and then on top of that, we've got really, really um, negligent zoning. I I would think we'll negative. go into that. What, next. Do mean, what do you mean by negligent? Well, I, I uh, want to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> <now. laughs> I think well, it's like I think a lot of uh a lot of politicians over the years have have really just turned a blind eye to mm-hmm. zoning. And then we have NIMBY yeah. a NIMBY culture oh, yeah. that exists that is is incredible. It's notorious, right? We have like uh a, a friend of mine years ago said <clears throat> Vancouver itself is like Manhattan in the 1800s. <laughs> Like when you think about how underdeveloped it is, like around the city center, like it's it's ridiculous that we have so much single-family zoning um, around, so close to the city, right? Even on arterials, right? And now we're starting to see up zoning, um, and but and then the permit process, which is just, and I understand Toronto's bad. I think we're probably one of the worst in Canada. Vancouver might
1: actually even be worse than I think the surrounding, is. like Burnaby, Surrey, everywhere else. Because there is just so much single family. Like there's the downtown core, yeah, and then everything else is. I mean, sure, there's some low rise apartments built in what the 60s, uh, you know, Fairview or Fraserview, Fairview, whatever the hell it is. Down Fairview, there. yeah. Um, but there's there is just too much
0: single family. It's incredible, right? For how many people, how much demand mm-hmm. we have here, and how li- how little supply we have in the region. So I mean, I think that's the bet that people are making in this market and you know, we see this market jump, you know, 20% in in a year. That's, you know, the the idea in Vancouver is if you buy something and it doesn't go up 10-20% in a year, it's broken. <laughs> right. It's like my realtor sucks, you know. So, so so
1: given you you have obviously a change in mindset about how you invest. What when you started investing, how does your as you call it your investment thesis? What was it then? And versus yeah. what is it now or how has it evolved so
0: I think the big I think the big thing um, I, I used to look for opportunities in smaller markets hang on Thanks for, for, for
1: all those listening I'm not peeing right now I'm just pouring
0: a coffee um, I'll, I'll just I'll just put a bow on that on the, on the supply and demand before I get into this but the idea here is is one thing I will say is that every property I own now did not start as a, a cash flow property, mm. but they all get there. And the reason they get there is like, we've seen almost a th- 25, 30% increase in rents in the last like 18 months, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and when you think about it from the perspective of like, residential's a, a bit trickier, right? And commercial, obviously you're, you're repositioning assets, that's mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're, you're driving up rents. Um, in a lot of cases, it's it's often harder to do in residential. But over the years, just through either optimizing through like forced depreciation or, um, you know, improvements to the property um, or through just uh, getting new tenants and watching, letting the market do its thing. Now, almost every property, I think every property we own right now is cash flow positive. What not was, not a huge, like it's not like, a, you know, it's not huge cash flow, but the liability factor is gone.
2: You to get that many properties, were you refining and jumping up along the way, moving equity around
0: or um, partnering with people to do it? Yeah. So, it- well, that's, a, yeah. And it's a good question. So in, for the residential properties, um, most of them, some are owned personally, some are owned now in, in my holdco. Sure. Um, and uh, some of them, what I've done actually over the years, um, and which lo- some people will think is risky, but I, whenever I have equity, like helocs, what I was doing was it's dead equity. So, and I I didn't love the idea of purchasing properties with it. But what I was doing is is flips with it. Hmm. So so rehabbing properties with with the money from uh, uh, the equity. Still so, doing that? So I actually I have a yeah I have a property right now that's being renovated, and I'm just trying to beat the uh, numbers the are looking okay. Coming up, uh, numbers are looking okay. Yeah, right now, absolutely, yeah. Do you think it's
1: a problem? Like, um, this is going to be an easy answer for three realtors, but rehabbing properties is demonized now, right? Absolutely, like, yeah. it's like, oh, how dare you improve that property, make it a nicer place to live, and get a higher rent? And it's like, why? If it wasn't for people renoing and flipping, a lot of the houses would just be in shambles.
0: So, like. I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm sure everybody had to stay. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's like demonizing developers who are creating houses. Like, let's be honest, like David Eby couldn't build an Ikea desk and, and like <laughs> you need, you need developers to build housing. Like we should be leveraging the development community developers. Like, honestly, like we, we thought about putting out a shirt saying hug a developer, but just cause I, I think it's the opposite. People get it so wrong. <clears throat> right. Um, but it's this idea that like, uh, We're rehabbing missing middle product that is so bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's a crime scene, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's, and we're not buying it if it's not a crime scene. Cause then we're competing with end users and you don't want to compete with an end user. So like literally we're going to the properties that like this one had, I mean, if I toured anybody through this property, they'd be like, nah. I'm not doing it. And no one's and let's be honest, how many end users right now are taking on huge renovations? No, they're like, not. No. Well, none. it's it's crazy, right? None, like we've none. seen like a 30, 40% increase in in costs around like look at for building right now. I was thinking about that on the drive over. Um, like replacement cost is so out of whack. Like, I think the best deals right now are like buy a house from like 20 built between 2011 and 2018. Because you anything that's been built COVID on. Right. Like at least those people have seen a lift and they'll probably part with their with their house, right? Anyone um, recently isn't gonna give it away. Well, let's let's think about like I even think about I built a house in East Vancouver um in twenty seventeen. I could the market value of my house right now is about five hundred thousand dollars less than the replacement cost to buy the lot <laughs> and build. Five hundred thousand dollars less. Mm-hmm. But I'm still up. Because of when I bought and built, mm-hmm. so it's a weird. It's it, this is a strange moment from inflation, prices and construction, and and there's there's a gap there, right? And that makes me think like I had a client of mine who just got quoted a th- like by an upper higher end sure. uh, build company that does like West Coast modern stuff a thousand dollars a square foot to Yikes. build, a thousand bucks a foot. And I said to her, why don't we just go buy something from 2017 or like new enough? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And just do some interior renos. And... You'll save, literally in her case, I think she'd save $1.52 million. Crazy. By man. not building. Like need... That's a $5 million house she's building. Yeah. That's a five 5,000 square foot house. That's a $5 million improvement.
1: With your shirt idea, we have to add I heart speculators. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you don't, if you don't have a speculator, who's going to buy the pre-con? None of it's going to get built. Tomorrow's housing supply depends on speculation today. It depends on it, hundred percent. And if we don't do that, like you say, we recently got a chance to uh, interview the housing minister, and you know his thing is, hey, government's getting in the game again. Does the homes I for don't people
2: know plan? How well that's
0: going to work? Oh God!
2: So we had Ravi on the show. He was yeah. a great guest and He's a, super bright guy. Yeah, really super, good
0: conversation. Super bright guy. So I went to see him speak. Um, Steven Jagger, who does uh, I saw Addy. that it was on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So so. Uh, Steven Jagger did a, a, a conference, small gathering kind of thing with with um, Ravi. And, and my takeaway was it, like, so super nice guy, super bright. Um, he basically said that David Eby has kind of given him full reign to do whatever he wants to do. And he told this story to a room of people, a lot of them development, real estate industry, about how two or three years ago, when he wasn't in, in politics or in his role, he was riding the SkyTrain to, um, to see the Whitecaps game with a friend of his. And his friend said, let's stop at the Nanaimo SkyTrain station, uh, Nanaimo, and um, they, get, they get out in East Vancouver. And his friend says, look around, okay? His friend's apparently visiting from the UK. He says, why do you think there are so many single family detached houses here? and minister of housing kind of scratches his head like i don't i don't know and his friends like you need to there needs to be density in vancouver and as he's telling this story to this room full of people the only thing i could think is this is a guy who's been thinking about these problems for now probably 18 months mm. 2 years mm. people in the development industry and people are like this has been an issue for 20 30 years like we've been underbuilding for decades in vancouver and the guy who's basically got like full reign started thinking about these problems like eighteen months ago, and it's a tricky. Yeah. And I know it's a tricky thing with with being a politician. They're going to they're going to
1: go through so much. They're yeah. going to go through so much because I. It's it's strange to me though how we can have an NDP government here that thinks this way, and then Ontario's housing plan is basically the oh, they same think thing the the same the in with the so conservative. So it's yeah. it's come to consensus about what we need to do. Um I just think like you pointed out it's been mismanaged for so long, so long. and the NIMBYism that that goes on. I uh, like I my my comment to Ravi was like listen I live in Surrey we are the second biggest city and we're going to be the biggest city within 10 years for sure. Uh bigger population bigger landmass bigger everything and we have the least amount of transit of like Port Moody 35,000 people has better transit than all of Surrey any part of Surrey. Right. And until you get all of these pieces right like it's never going to work. If you go to New York, you can get wherever you want to be, however you want to get there, above ground, below ground, whatever. You can walk. It's easy. I just think we, we're going to struggle with that for a long, long time. And we're going to end up sticking four plexes on single family lots. And everybody's going to hate each other. parking's going to be a disaster. Plumbing and electrical is going to be a disaster. What's the alternative though?
2: What's the alternative to fix this problem that we've? neglected for 30 years it's not at least uh, here here's moving not, in the right direction like yes
1: yes however the irresponsible amount of immigration is the problem right now i think right that's not even no 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 <laughs> here's the thing it's an irresponsible amount okay right immigration is a good thing it's a fantastic thing uh my dad
2: immigrated right yeah my grand, my grandparents did too yeah yeah you were telling me today yeah dad, from england yeah so but mine, mine as well. Yeah. just So I'm not less. So, so we're all. Yeah. Like that's how we. I'm, that's how we're sitting here.
1: But think about it. You have last year a million people enter a country of what was 39 million people at that time, right? Like that is you can't grow at two percent. So that's we're we're screwing everything up even further right now, because there's no way if we're building 200,000 homes a year bringing in a million people let's hope it's not a million let's hope it goes back down to the respectable number of double pre-pandemic which is 465 so let's say it's 465 we're still building 250 houses if we're lucky but we're already what 10 years behind well probably further than that right so what is the solution the solution is let developers build more like when we talk with brad lamb right yeah like they shouldn't be going okay nah you're getting six stories here they should be like will you please do eight will you please do twelve but that's what they should be doing. But without and some sort of infrastructure, like we are where Vancouver lives right now is the way I view it in Surrey. It's where a lot of the working class lives. And we don't have the ability to, like, what are we going to do? Just try and get in our cars when there's another
2: 400,000 people
1: in this city? It's not
2: going to work. You know, it's funny. Like this must have been four or five years ago I, when Keith was doing his podcast. Keith Roy, who I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. So oh, Keith. he had he had his show for a while there. And he interviewed me when I was in Vancouver for a conference and he's like, what's the one thing, you know, as someone from Toronto that you have that we don't have? And I was trying to think, I'm like, is this like a trick question? Like, I don't know, man. (laughs) And I couldn't think, I was like, honestly, Keith, I have no clue. Like, what is the one thing? He's like, great transportation in your city, which is so funny because as someone from Toronto, we think TTC sucks. Yeah. It's always late, but there's always bus issues. But as someone from Vancouver, like- what you got is great. So it's just so funny to hear the different opinions as like, we think what we have is bad. You think what you have is bad, which is obviously worse than us. But even if you get it, are you going to be happy I don't with know, it? man. I've been in under that. What is that Gardner thing? Oh, it looks like it's going to fall here. down. Oh, yeah. oh, that thing's terrible. In Seattle, they
1: <laughs> tore theirs down. It was the same same age.
2: Um, okay. So I want to stay on the investment side of things for a second. A lot of people listening to this are very just interested in real estate, and investing. Yeah. So I know the thesis has changed since you first started getting into it, and you can look and go like, okay, yeah, cash flow would be nice, appreciation would be nice, you know, what you can do in renovations to bring the value up. Um, but people are not just trying to get a, a good investment, they're like, how do I get that 10 out of 10 slam dunk, exceptional yeah. investment property? Yeah. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so okay, so I'll just back up a little bit because um, I was on, I, it just comes to mind because last week I was on Instagram and I, I saw a story of a guy who actually puts out really good content. So it's it had nothing to do with him, but he found a, like a nine cap in Winnipeg. And I know Winnipeg because I grew up in Winnipeg. And this is an area where I promise you, like you're going to get, you're going to get, something's going to get stolen. Hey, wait, just, you're just be, for a second yeah. before
2: you go on. Is this not just because you grew up there? You think this is a <laughs> yeah. crappy area?
0: Maybe, maybe that's his secret power. Okay. Maybe the area's changed, but and my, I know exactly who you're talking about, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Well, but it was uh, essentially like uh, you have to collect rent with a baseball bat. Like that's really what it what it would be like. Okay. And so when I think about it, and like literally, that's I I know the neighborhood because I didn't grow up very far from <laughs> it. Um. But the but the point is, is that when you you might be able to get these numbers out there, mm-hmm. but there's always typically a catch from what I see. And then, you know, you replace a roof and all of a sudden the cash flow is gone. Right. Right. And now you own a place in an area that's maybe not a premium area, maybe not a premium product, and you don't really have a tenant pool.
1: This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the story team at Royal LePage Signature in Toronto, Ontario. Although he's here on the recording with me right now and I don't like saying nice things about him to his face, Tom and his team, well, they are probably your best pick if you are looking to buy or sell residential real estate in downtown Toronto. Let's face it, probably the city of Toronto itself. Tom, make a strange face if that's wrong. That is correct. That is correct. All right, we are good to go. So if you are looking for one of, if not the top agent in downtown Toronto for your residential real estate needs, condos, semis, Mm -hmm. detached, if you're looking to upsize or downsize, give Tom and his team a call. And Tom, how would they get in touch with you?
2: I think the best thing would be go to the first link in the description uh, of this episode and you can book a call with me at a time that works for you. And uh, we'll go over all the information you need and, and see if we can be of service.
1: And I recommend if you are listening to this from across the country and you're either moving to Toronto or if you're an agent outside of Toronto and you have a client moving to Toronto, go ahead and book a call with Tom because he would love to take your referral as well that is the story team at royal page signature in toronto ontario he's a pretty good guy he knows what he's doing just don't tell him i said so tom the last part we need to do before the
2: end uh this communication is not intended to breach Ca- cause any breach what's that that was <laughs> oh, you want me to say it? <laughs> i don't know what the word is it i don't even know what the words
1: are This communication is not intended to cause or induce breach of
0: any existing agency agreement. And now back to the show. Mm -hmm. So, when I'm looking at like owning like blue chip real estate, like Vancouver, Toronto, because the vacant, you're paying in many cases for the vacancy. Right. Mm-hmm. You're paying for almost a zero percent vacancy. That could be you true. Can, yeah. That's you, interesting. You, That's a good way to think about it. You're you're constantly bringing people through. Like you first of all, you have your pick of the litter if you want to rent a place out. Um uh write that down. Generally use that line in the future. Generally speaking, um, there's like I said, I mean, um, rents are rents are trending upwards. You're dealing with young professionals in many cases. Um and and i haven't had any issues like knock on wood i've had very few issues with tenants over the years and that's that's one nice thing about owning vancouver real estate when but mostly what people are doing is they're buying they're looking for that cap gain right yep and so how do you go from doing you know you could throw a dartboard in the lower mainland and if you hold it for at, at a wall and buy something wherever it lands and if you hold it for 5 to 10 years you're probably going to do well on it but if you want to be like really strategic, there's a couple of things we're looking at. We're looking at gaps in the market. So what I mean by gaps in the market is there's general trends that exist between pricing. So like think, for example, the West side selling at a premium over the East side in Vancouver, right? Just because we work in the city of Vancouver. Sure. When those prices get too close, there's an opportunity on the West side. Yeah. When those prices are too far, there's an opportunity on the East side, right? So when I bought my first house on the east side, I remember this this old school agent who was like 30, uh, 30 years in the business said to me, he's like, if you're going to buy anything, I was going to buy a townhouse on the west side. He said, go buy a house on the east side. He said, go buy a house honestly tomorrow. He's like, I promise you, there's no reason that the difference of between the same bungalow on the east side and the west side should be $1.2 million. Right. Like the, the gap was, was right too now. big. And they're both like the same distance to the city, right? right. Um, so I went and I bought a house on the east side. Uh, everything I had as a down payment, totally stretched. That house did, I mean, it was an exceptional market, an exceptional run-up, but it, we bought it for 800. We put 60 grand into it. We sold the house for 1.4 a year and a half later. So it's that- What year was that, this? This was 20, we bought it in 2014, we sold it in 2016. Wow, so
2: not, so, not even like the recent crazy jumps either. That was before. Yeah, yeah but exactly. Vancouver
1: didn't, like Vancouver after a foreign buyer came in, there was a big downturn. It wasn't like us, we kept going up.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and oh, we, can, we can talk about, yeah. like, here's another example of a gap, though. So right now, Surrey presale, 1,100 a foot-ish for a lot of- uh,
1: I'm the wrong guy to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, We're not it's, going it's, pre-sales but, but, uh, here. But I,
0: I can tell you, 1,100 a foot is like pretty par for the course for new construction in okay. Surrey. Downtown right now, I can buy a building within 15 years of it being like 15-year-old building, good building, solid building, great strata, mm-hmm. 1,100 a foot. Yeah. So it's like, to me now- No offense to Surrey, but downtown center ice, that gap is narrow. The opportunity right now in the market is downtown. Downtown is below replacement cost. Hmm, It absolutely is.
1: Well, we we noticed that here, um, and you can offend Surrey all you want. Don't worry. Um, We noticed (laughs) here like our, uh, I think I have that on a shirt somewhere. (laughs) We noticed that during uh, the pandy that we had uh, our detached houses went up like 1.8, right? 1. 1.7, 1. 1.8 1. 8 for a lot of detached houses. Like this place you're in today would have been two, right? At one point during the pandemic, we had a house in East Van and I was like, I mean, sure, it's a, it's a Vancouver special, right? Had a basement suite. It was a five-bedroom house, right? Older, but it was 1.8. And I was like, something's got to shift here. Something's wrong when... Forty five minutes outside of the city is the same price for a city. Different product yeah. kind yeah. of but yeah. both detached homes with rental basements. Totally. So I'm like, something's wrong. And obviously the bottom fell out of the
0: valley and it barely moved. It has it moved in Vancouver? It I mean, it's 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 back to where it was kind of almost peak pricing. Yeah. So like we're pr- basically pricing things similar to what we're we would have been close. pricing like twenty 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 two March of twenty twenty two. How much higher was
1: huh. March of twenty twenty two compared to August of twenty six or July I guess of twenty sixteen? Oh God, a lot. Was it a lot? Yeah, Cause, yeah, yeah.
0: Because here it's double. Yeah, yeah. I I think yeah. I, I mean I'd have to look at a. I mean my, my, my because it did peak out for really, a while, right? Yeah, it did it did with with detached there was a softening in the detached market um for a while and then condos kind of took off. Mm-hmm. But I feel like like what's what's interesting is like those gaps by the, by the way I think used to be easier to recognize cuz you'd see these flows and you'd see like houses take off and the gap between houses and condos or houses and townhomes would be huge. I track that all and the then time you'd see Toronto, it come up, yeah. yeah, and it would be like and and it's such a good way to kind of understand the market. But I think the weird thing about what the pandemic did is it almost made everything in the region the same price mm-hmm. in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, it did. And, and it did. made rents all the same. Yeah. So it was like now and then, but I, I think at some point something swings back where the areas that I think you should pay a premium for. We'll get back. We'll get back there. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of recognizing the gap. But I mean, just to think of other ways to, I think, do well in expensive markets like Toronto and Vancouver is we are going through a revolution in terms of being up zoned. And I think there's huge opportunities to buy based on zoning right now. Hmm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a trickier thing to do, but mm. we're ve- being very strategic about where we're putting people based on the infrastructure and what's coming to that area and what's happening with zoning. Like even think about like, they're talking about the six pack now, like six homes on a single family detached lot. Mm. Think of that what that does to the value of that land, right? Yep. Like right now you can build a duplex. Yeah. Now you're going to be able to build six homes, right? So we've been very strategic that way. There's a few buildings right now in like the Alberni downtown Cole Harbor, and I won't say too much, but um, that are totally underbuilt, right? For, that are perfect wind-ups right now, but they're perfect rentals right now as well. Wind-ups are so hard. Wind-ups are so hard so to do, hard. but when you look at like a, a street, like when you look at the parcels of land for mm-hmm. these buildings now that are long in the tooth, Still good buildings, and next door we're seeing like these like mega towers
1: being built. Right, we're seeing a ton of that. It's
0: it's pretty. It's I mean you can make a safe bet, and I mean most of our clients are buy and hold people anyways, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Like the the only regrets they have is selling property. So that's that's the thing, right? So so a lot of these people are looking long term. Um, We've also been and and just to keep going with the with the development, like we're looking constantly at the mega major infrastructures. Uh, projects going on. I mean, I'm sure you that's what you're monitoring in Surrey and you in Toronto, but it's it's that idea like right now, like where is employment? Where is big development? There's uh St. Paul's Hospital going up in in northeast False Creek area in in Vancouver that's gonna be huge for that mm-hmm. neighborhood. Um so we monitor that. Um we've got other projects like the the Broadway SkyTrain uh, line or subway line right now. We welcome these projects that you speak of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't have those. All we have is canceled projects. That's a tough spot for us right now. Like for instance, you bring up the hospital. Uh here we have um an NDP government that secured a bunch of land for the hospital that's here. And it's like, "Cool, hospital's great location. It's all awesome." What's Kevin Falcon running on? Canceling that project. Right. He sold the last spot a land they had for a second hospital. So it's like I'm not necessarily on board with all of the policies that are being brought in, like the rental policy. In my estimation, uh, opening up rentals was a massive blow for first-time buyers, right? So you've got one party that screws it up harsh here, and then maybe not in the housing side, but the Liberal Party is looking to screw up my town and push out another hospital for another... Ten years
2: for me from Toronto. Opening up rentals was just that any building other than senior buildings, you have to allow. If you buy a unit, you can rent it out, and you, that was. Not if you a thing owned before? a
1: property of a certain year, okay, uh, you could the strata could get together and rule out rentals. Hmm. So it would be owner occupied or a portion owner occupied or whatever. And what that did is that kept purchasing low because you didn't have to compete against. Right, you investors. were competing with investors, yeah. So hmm. it actually got people into properties, but then the government. And the very socialist government we have right now opened it up and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and get rid of that. So investors yeah. are, you figure the party for the people, the NDP should be the other, almost the other way around. But now they've gone past that. And it's
2: like the renter takes priority over top of the homeowner. I'd love to know your opinion on the upzoning, because me and Steve were talking about this, and we've had a few comments on our channel. So, you know, when you talk about, okay, there's there's a duplex on there right now, but a six pack mm-hmm. could be built and that will make the land more valuable. It will make, what it's going to cost to buy each of those, if if you were split it up to a yeah. six small condo or something, where the goal here from the government side of things is we want to upzone
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that there is more housing. Yeah, and there will be more housing, but maybe it will cost more for what you're getting for that piece of housing. Is there any truth behind that?
0: It's so tr- it's so tricky, and it, it depends because obviously when Kennedy Stewart, uh, our former mayor, was talking about it, he had so many. Um, restrictions on what the housing you know some of it had to be rented under market some of it so so it it just depends what you can actually do with it um but you know the, the the challenge right now is that all the cost um when you think of what you know even the permitting process, like just how expensive it is right now for builders, all that gets passed on to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? of course. <laughs> and I mean, so it's it's. I think it comes down to what happens with build costs and what happens to land costs. But um, I think best use is going up, like generally across the board right now um, in Vancouver, uh, at least, which I can speak to. And and I think that just creates opportunities for people that want to that want to own real estate, right? So that's yeah. kind of my logic. I'm hoping that. Um, you never know with policies uh, what's going to happen with provincial and you municipal. You don't know what's going to screw up. What's going to screw up, and there's always something, right? So that's, but I mean, it's it's something on the radar. Like I think right now it's an interesting time, and it goes back to that, like Manhattan in the 1800s. Like there are going, to, there's going to be a lot of opportunity created by demand and how we get to fulfilling supply needs.
2: So as an investor, if I'm listening to this and I know when when we interviewed the housing minister, he said that this is going to roll out September, October. October. The Homes for People plan is rolling out in October where, snap of a finger, most of BC, at least three units, if not four units on single family lots that were previously single family. If I'm an investor hearing that, knowing this is rolling out in October, am I not really looking at opportunities right now to try to buy these properties now because they're going to go up in value in the future?
0: I would say so. I mean, I don't think I, you know, uh, there's an economist that comes on our show that says, he's like, my only advice is buy as much dirt as you can as far west as you can. In, in the city of Vancouver huh. or in, in the region. Right. Here, I'll let you Which is, this before. By land they're not making it anymore, Mark Twain. Yeah. Right. That's that's the uh, stuff. Yeah. And I mean that's the thing, right? So I mean as far west as you can go, um, is is generally what his his idea is. Um so I mean I think if you own if you go out and you buy a single family detached right. or a, a single family lot, um, you know, a, a thirty three by one twenty two, you're gonna be your your the value of that land is going to go up. Yeah. It's it's hard to imagine it doesn't. What do you think they're gonna build? When now
1: this might be a different question for Vancouver, because I think Surrey we usually have more sixty foot lots. Yeah. Right. If given those two scenarios, a thirty-foot lot and a sixty-foot lot, and they go, Okay, three units on the thirty foot, four units on the sixty foot, what is the new construction on those lots? What do you what do you think they're gonna build?
0: I think so. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So on our, I think what they were actually right now, I've seen like rough guidelines for oversized lots getting sixty, and it's tough to say what they're going to actually allow for. The Kennedy Stewart proposal was, I believe, the six pack was on a thirty-three by one twenty-two, uh, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. I think that was the idea behind it. Um, but generally speaking, I think it it. It really depends because I think right now we're still gonna see people do like single family with like a laneway uh-huh. house and uh, maybe a legal suite. That's right? where it like starts, right? People are gonna yeah. still still wanna do that. But what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lot of, um, I don't know what people will build, build in the future. I'm sure there's gonna be creative. Like there's, a, in, you know, whenever you can do something like that, the architect, architectural community Rises to the occasion, yeah. right? There'll be some amazing design that comes out of this. I and think some terrible we, ones. I meant <laughs> some terrible as well. But but I still think like right now, what a lot of people are doing is the duplex and then the uh, the Strata uh, coach home, right? And they're selling all three years. I look at
1: my lot here. So I'm a 50-foot lot. I just think, obviously, they're not going to tear down because the house is too new. But I think they're going to take a lot like mine eventually. Whatever comes down, comes down. And then you have three tandem-style townhouses. Right, side by side, There's, they're going to be 15 feet wide or whatever your old townhouse kind of was, right? That about yeah, that, right? 15 to 17. They're going to be about that, uh, a little bit of variance on either side. The whole front yard is going to be parking, right? It's going to be one in, one out, and the what I'm worried about in Surrey is now each one of those townhouses, basement suite in the back.
0: Yeah. So I so. You know who's doing this well is Kelowna is actually ahead of, uh, I think, Vancouver with some of their zoning for single family lots, like specifically in the downtown area. And they've got some amazing, like on, I think, 50 footers um, where there's like five units and it's basically like a full attached, like front back, almost like almost like a fourplex where you've got two duplexes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on like crammed together. Yeah. Um, so somebody lives off the back, somebody lives off the front of the yard on both sides. Right. And then there's there's some kind of lane laneway or carriage home yeah. off the back, right? Uh, and it works. I mean, it works. Uh, um, We've you know, got some of those out
1: here, yeah, where you have like just basically a fourplex, a square fourplex. And then uh, detached yeah, on the fourplex. back is four separate garages, right? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, all it is. Are fourplex. they going to turn these into yeah. the
2: separate units, though? Or is it going to be a Strata? <laughs> On these four to six unit, apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be so
0: not with maintenance fees or you guys, yeah, strata Great fees, question. you guys call them like actually, it might even be conforming strata. It would be conforming. strata. I just solar. showed,
1: yeah. um, yesterday, I showed Dave's Dave thing, yeah, right, and yeah, that's one of those no strata fee townhouses,
0: freehold townhouse, yeah, and they're not common here. Hmm. When right. I when I hear fourplex, I always think dumpy, but fourplex is what it will be, yeah. but it will just, it'll, it'll live like a duplex, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly,
1: yeah, they totally are. Because we've got, just down the street here, we've got a bunch of like duplexes and then there's basement suites, right? Yeah. That's fine. Um, But over in an area in Provinceton, just down the road here, uh, yeah, you have those fourplexes. So you go in from the front and then the other guys basically... I guess they can walk down the side and come in. Um, And then, but for single parking across the back, right? Right.
2: Maybe it makes sense. Parking seems to be where you get all hot and bothered Uh, about this. uh, It's like, where's everyone
1: going to park? Parking spaces. Well, it's a big change here. I know you probably don't remember the last time you were here, any big difference, but now there's, there never used to be parking issues here. And now there's constantly parking issues here because everybody since the pandemic, me included. Does your neighbor still have a blue tarp over his car?
2: Don't get me started. Don't get me started on bylaws. That's I another a certain one. HOA in his community oh, yeah. to get his
0: neighbor's blue tarp off of his car. It's uh, it's an RV and it's a blue tarp. I think I think in Vancouver at least. I can't speak for the region, but I I, I think in Vancouver at least they they don't prioritize cars at all. So right. like that no. won't come into consideration. I don't think uh, parking, and it's or at least it, it doesn't seem like it will. Um,
1: In an area where, yeah, you can... I mean, the difference between Vancouver and here for thinking things like an Uber or a taxi or, heaven forbid, train or a bus is a totally different
2: thing. It's because you don't have the other alternatives like Vancouver does, right? That's why you're worried so much about the car because you need a car to go do everything here where if you live in the city, you could walk to more things or drop on a bus or... Yeah,
1: so the average house here will have five or six cars for every single house here, right? So you're going to have... Uh, Who's that? It? Wow. What? Yeah. So you're going to have two number. cars for the basement suite. Okay. Oh, you're have...
2: talking about if they were all built as fourplexes or right now? Right now. Okay. Yeah. So you got two
1: cars for the basement because there's people a couple. In Surrey just like cars too much. Right? Is the no, issue. but there's a couple renting a basement suite for $1,800. They each have a car? They each have a car for sure because they're not going. How are they getting to work? Yeah. Then fair. you have, yes. uh, you know, the two owners upstairs, married couple, let's say, they each have a car. And now in this neighborhood, the kids are all aging out. So there could be six cars
2: already per. And the other one just end up on the street right now is what's happening. There, there It's just. It's all over. It's all over. Not Grump, in my backyard. Man I, I, <laughs> but
1: then on the other side of it, I do think it's like this can't be the number one priority. I understand that, right? But you can't just ignore a city uh, forever and not give them infrastructure, right? And that's what I feel has happened. We've neglected here a lot. And I mean from my point of view i don't use transit to ubc i thought that transit to ubc was pretty good and they're digging a subway sky underground that all the way out there
0: eventually we'll go out there yeah right. is it not even getting that far i don't even that know far yeah, awesome. um cool. not right now but i, I think, I think <laughs> half a project good. well you know what the the one thing is is like what bothers me to no end is um is the projects that are stalled because uh it's not profitable for the developer mm. to take it on because the community amenity contributions are too high. Mm-hmm. And this is what drives me nuts. I think there needs to be a lot of rethinking the model at City Hall in terms of how much you can bleed a developer for a project to go through because the reality is is it's a business building homes. And if they're not gonna they're not gonna take on the risk or the project if they can't meet their bottom lines. Mm-hmm. And and the reality is is if we're not getting good housing or new housing, right? Then it's not it's not to the benefit of anyone. I mean, I think there should be community amenity contributions. I just think that right now it's all out of whack, you know?
2: So we, we've talked a lot about what the future of housing could look like with the new regulations. Let's take it back now for just 2023. You know, we're, we're heading into the second half of the year here. The first half I think was surprising to a lot of people, including people in the industry that keep a close eye on things, because I didn't think in Toronto we'd see 5 months in a row of price appreciation right after the rates last year I similar happened out here yes I thought we were going to see continuous I thought we were downturn 10 percent just, just slow and nice and hovering yeah. we went like this we're up significantly now that was the first half of the year I don't think the seven ha- second
0: half is going to be the same what's your thoughts on that yeah it's interesting cuz we I think I we've kind of pegged bottom in Vancouver as like November 2022 mhm roughly yep yeah. Yeah. Um, I
1: remember because I, got I had roasted a, on my channel for doing that video because it was like, too close a to really, when it happened. There's a really good argument that last week was the bottom, and it was November, and then in our numbers, January is the bottom. But I, I agree with you. I think that was the bottom.
0: Well, it's funny, yeah. and I remember the reason I know it so well is I had a townhouse that we had renovated for for resale and it, it was a beautiful place and it was like crickets uh, and we right were priced after. well and everything else. And we, we, uh, we did okay on it, but like we had to, we had to negotiate and it was, it, it was like, it felt, it felt pretty scary in terms of like, it was like mm-hmm. nothing was happening. Right. But then I feel like January started to pick up. Mm-hmm. It was like almost right out of the gates mm-hmm. in Vancouver, like where it, it was like the new year started and there was renewed energy. Um, and then like, like March roughly, March, April, we were kind of going back to, right? back yeah,
1: to yeah. it. You know what I just got right now? I can actually see on my computer's a little red dot and on my text message, and I I checked it while well, you guys weren't being a little <laughs> stealth. I just got requests for showing feedback. Oh yeah, yeah! Can you believe it? What's because going does on? Selling a week that they well, actually want to get feedback. Oh, my guy didn't want to write on it. To me, it was a really well-priced property, um, and the agent who I know well is like. Is this is this an automatic
2: email for? people? this is a personal text saying, "Hey, yeah, how did it go?" me.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and it's. I think since the rate increase, everything's kind of softened a bit. But I still, I sometimes I wonder about, like it's like the analogy of when you're driving 160 kilometers an hour and you reduce speed to 120, yeah. it feels like yep. you're going slow, but the market's still moving, right? And I, I feel like a lot of stuff, and maybe it's just my luck, but a lot of stuff I'm, sh- I've got buyers for right now is like the product that everybody that's moving yeah it's like
1: (laughs) it's end user product right do you know what we just got um we just got a registration form for multiple offers
0: Oh yeah, it that just came in. in.
1: Well, I don't want to say when it goes in because that'll give away when this. But it's just it was just announced this week. Interesting. So you have that 801 form, or whatever? We have 801, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now mm. we are. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, total side note on that. So that guy's either got no action on that listing, or he's a good agent doing his job. I'm going to say it's probably number two, but maybe we'll see. Or both. For, <laughs> or both. <laughs> but yeah, so we have now a registration, and we have to supply it. Within twenty four hours after offer presentation to all of the offers.
2: Oh, so our eight hundred one it, it's a it's a bit gray for us. Like we have to keep them all, but we don't have to give them unless we're told to give them. We um, have to supply them. But bag. I got I got no issue with. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna make no. I think it's great. Yeah, it's fine. And here's the best. If that part. helps the buyer feel better, like this offer was registered. <laughs> yeah. The 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 ghost offer, whatever uh, word was being used in Vancouver. What was it that you guys were talking about? Or just yeah, the fake the, offers we, or whatever. People call it ghost offer. Op- yeah. Go, yeah. Um, this is great. It means like every buyer knows exactly how many yeah. offers there are, and we're on our way to open bidding, which will fix everything, Have gentlemen. you seen? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Have you seen, though, that this is the form. So it has to be signed by the seller. Um, by the seller. It has to be signed by the seller. So the seller signs off on saying that they were presented all of these offers. Mm. These are the offers I presented. It has to be signed by the listing agent. It has to be provided to every buyer that wrote an offer the next day.
2: It doesn't say
1: the it buyer's it, name. It just says it, the brokerage says of the, the offer? It says the brokerage. Uh, yeah, the brokerage that the offer came from. Okay. And I think there might be a checkbox like, uh, "Yeah, yes, it was, presented, uh, it was presented or oh, yeah, uh, we refused that. or whatever, yeah, we like that. whatever it is, but yeah. we have to supply them. And the best part about this whole thing, where do you think this came from? Who do you think implemented this?
2: All your regulator sound the same to me. They all start with BC and then have a bunch of other letter- letters behind okay, them. Okay, so... This is actually the
1: uh, Vancouver Real Estate Board, Greater Vancouver. Greater Vancouver, yeah. The Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. There it is. Uh, Fraser Valley Real Estate Board and Chilliwack Board got together. Hmm. So this is the real estate agents implementing this and not the the regulator. This is us taking a step towards uh, implementation. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. Not only do I think there's nothing wrong with it, I think it's the way it should have been originally because now we can go, okay, this is how many we had. And we can take the person to task and if the agent the agent has to now have the seller signing off right Mm -hmm. right so they're going to go if there was uh let's say two offers or whatever there's going to be some sort of track record now and i get a copy of that as the buyer's agent
0: i think anything am i going to
1: get a copy of it though we'll see
0: well (laughs) yes honestly though i mean if it does away with a few bad actors or whatever it's great it's great right and i mean it's it's uh all this paperwork is painful, it's so but painful. it's it's so painful. But at the end of the day, you get used to it and you figure it out, right? And you adapt in this market and I don't know. I have all these disclosures that have come out in the last like, call it two But years. what's your
1: experience with disclosures? Because mine is the client goes, yeah, whatever. Just oh totally. uh, Give me the offer. I don't care about all this. Yeah, but I mean, I just
0: I I we had to get a new car, and it was the same thing. They gave me like you know like forty five pages of whatever. I was just initialing randomly. Like they didn't even go over anything with me. DocuSign, (laughs) I think, or AthenaSign, or whatever. The Actually, best thing that ever happened to real estate, but also scary how quick you get things
1: back sometimes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you used to sit there and be like, okay, initial here, this is what this means this is what
0: this means. And now so many people are just like, sign, sign, sign. But I remember driving to get initials and like, you'd be at like yeah. a party and have a glass of wine. Then it was like, oh, I got to get this signed, and I got to get signed in the next 45 minutes. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're like, it, it, it's such a huge improvement. It's the best thing that's happened to it our is. industry.
2: Honestly, I remember early on in my career, I drove an hour and a half mm-hmm to get initials for a counter offer, yeah. which didn't end up working out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was like a Saturday, and I was like, well, this is happening. Like, I have no other choice. Totally. Yeah. I presented
1: one time just a couple blocks from here at a townhouse for best friend of mine, and uh, I think we we finished negotiation around 1 a.m., and then I had to drive to Tawasin to get him to sign off on the initials. <laughs>
2: There should be a new regulation uh, that if offer dates come back because the market picks up again, because it will at some point, or if they're already here right now, uh, they start at noon or 3 p.m. So that everyone, including the buyer and the seller, can get home for dinner and doesn't start at <laughs> 6 p.m. and go till midnight. You know
1: what they used to do here um, before my time is that you could not present offers on Sunday. Mm. And then Because football happened? was on? Uh, I think it had something to do with church, but yeah, maybe does, football. <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> But then what happened is midnight on Sunday when the market was hot, all the agents would be standing outside the house and they'd actually present in person midnight on Sunday or Monday morning, I guess.
2: At like 1 a.m. on Monday morning. With their horse and buggy outfits. yeah, totally. <laughs> That's dedication. So, so the second half of 2023 in your yeah. market in Vancouver, how so, are we optimistic? Or, but it's not going to be the same as the first half. I don't think.
0: I I think um I think it's going to get softer uh for the probably for the balance of the year. I think everything like the way I've been thinking about it is um, earlier in the year we were kind of cautiously optimistic that we might even see a rate cut this year, like in like Q4. And, I don't know who, uh, what idiot would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and honestly, and then it, it feels like everything's got shifted, right? Yeah. Like it just feels like yeah. everything's got delayed. So assuming we don't have a some kind of recession, major recession, uh, I think I'm kind of in line with uh, Phil Soper, who's just on your program, where I think 2025 is going to be like a, a huge year. And I think 2024, um, I think it would be a, a a decent year, but mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, we'll see a rate cut in 2024, and then I think things. Q are Q grow. what? Q what? 2024. Uh, I two would two probably, uh, if I had to. Yeah, roast me in the YouTube comments, but I'm thinking probably like Q two three. Q, Q two, two uh, 2024. Uh, Hank, come back
1: and comment down below <laughs> and in a and, year. And it's
0: going to be a few 25 slowly. I think it's going to be slow. I think yeah. it's going to be slow. But I, I think what happens is right now with people on the sidelines. Once it starts happening. Like, look, I think a lot of the burst of activity was just by by more optimism in the market yeah. holding rate, right? I mean, like, look what happened. It was. And then it's like the quarter point increase. Everybody kind of moves to the sidelines. And the second that we see any kind of movement on that rate, I think it's just going to go bananas. I think
2: for people that have a minimum five-year perspective on owning real estate, but ideally a 10-year, which anyone that watches my content knows that's how I talk about everything. Like I don't care about these short-term things. I'm I'm thinking long-term you should look at this summer and rate hikes or anything that happens as a positive to you as a buyer because you are not taking a variable rate unless for some reason you are, you're taking a fixed rate still wouldn't lock in for five years. I think that's crazy. Maybe three at this moment in time,
0: pay the premium.
2: Yeah. Um, get in, get in, there's gonna be less competition this summer. Historically, August is a slow time. Yes, there's mm-hmm. less to choose from, but if you can find what you want, go get it. Go get the property, like you said, that you maybe not to that level that you have to do all those, those randoms, but go in and find something that's not marketed very well. Sure. Go pick it up, buy it now, have that five year I guarantee by 2025, that's strong language. I know you're, you're for that. bad at math. I don't guarantee. 2028. Yeah. No. Well, okay. No, but I'm just saying even two years later, I think you're going to look back and go like happy I bought in the summer of 2023 when yeah. everyone was on the sidelines Yeah, because you always look at how these things play out. And when everyone's saying don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, the people that did it usually do fairly well.
0: I, I think there's two things. Uh, bang on about right now, like the with the rate, like we've been saying date the rate, marry the property. Yeah. And then we've also been saying like it's a yo-yo on an escalator, right? So like <laughs> that's the the idea, and that's a Dustin Woodhouse, who was a, a mortgage broker in the city. Now he's now he's not, but he uh, that idea of the market being a yo-yo on an escalator. Right now, I feel like if the if the yo-yo comes down, but if you're holding it for three to five years, you're going to be in a good position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think anybody that's buying real estate for one to two years, like the verdict's always out. Yeah. Who knows, right? I mean, a year or two, especially in this world where something changes like on a weekly basis, like if you're planning on selling in a year or two, don't buy. Agreed. I think
2: it's silly. Yeah. I think it makes no sense. I think even if you're moving to a city, you know your job's going to change in two years, unless you're going to hold the property and rent it out when you leave. Don't yeah. buy, rent. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. 100%. Lifestyle factor. I know homeownership's great, but lifestyle factors in too and it's expensive to move. Can you imagine land like, transfer tax. That's did you rent? Crazy you real estate rent? fees. Did you ever rent? I well, I rented in university. Did you rent? Uh oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. just by Cuz I never
0: finances.
1: did. Well, I mean, I guess I rented a room off my brother. I don't know if that counted, but like I, it never even crossed my mind.
0: never crossed my mind you know the the thing you're saying about pride of ownership i can't remember who did the report but it was a few years back but like still the number one reason that people buy real estate in canada is stability right Mm -hmm. it's to know that you have a home right it's to know that you're not going to be given notice and i think that's the thing that's scary in vancouver and i mean like people always you know i think being an agent in vancouver the critique is always like oh yeah you want the market to go crazy you want prices to go up Mm -hmm. you want your city to be unaffordable I can like count uh, on my hand the people that like the dozens of groups of friends that we have that no longer live here. Like it's like I've got yeah. like a handful of people that I've been you know we're close friends with for twenty years in the city that haven't left. Right, so it's like I I will, there's some real problems around housing in this city, mm-hmm. and that's that's not that's not the goal. But I I think like generally speaking um watching people lose their places because of you know it's hard now with uh with the residential tenancy act but you still see people constantly the landlord moving in or or um serving no- notice for a variety of reasons yeah. and i guess my point is is only that um i think we need more housing which takes it back yeah. to the to the earlier conversation really. Have
2: you guys had any new purpose-built rentals coming here? Cuz we've had actually quite a few in Toronto and it's a nice alternative that we're telling our clients that want to rent. Yeah. Hey, it's it's actually more expensive. And there and our rental regulations is if it's built after November 2018, there is no rent control in Ontario, but everything built before that there is. Yeah, and these corporations are not missing the yearly rent increases. So it might be more expensive, but no one's moving into that unit. No one can kick you out. You're, it's owned by a corporation. Uh, an owner doesn't
0: own it. I want to just grab because it's on my phone. Yeah, but uh, I'm just going to grab this because I want to talk a little bit about yeah, yeah, purpose grab built it. rental. Grab it. Yeah, which, yeah. grab it. yeah. No, we're not seeing a ton. Um,
1: I've seen, I've seen more we've had a lot but um, then we don't really have the same thing that everybody else does where you guys can deal with rentals and stuff so we don't really see the
2: rentals but i honestly and you don't. know it's interesting we've had people that were looking for you know typical try to find a condo rental in toronto which is a, a condo and it's a landlord and you make an offer and it was so competitive that we're like hey here's the list of purpose-built rental companies mm-hmm. go them some of them actually had like great opportunities where they'd like pay a month rent for you just to move in right now and I'm going to take a controversial side of things. I think we got to stop telling people it's okay to rent. Is that bad?
1: Well, there's life situations that 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 doesn't hold up. But I don't think we should be looking to be lifelong. People don't
2: have no. I I would agree with that. I think most Canadians would agree with that. But but some people don't can't do anything else. They have no other option. Can't we empower them though? Can't we like, hey, this is how you do it? Well, I think we're trying. But you can say as much as you want if you don't have a job that gives you a certain salary. And especially if you're in a rent-controlled situation that's so, so good, why would you move? Actually, that's a something we're getting where people are in, they have
1: crazy low rent and they are buying and they're renting out their the first-time
2: buyer investors, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's yeah. happening quite a bit. Yeah. You got you got the info on the you first know what? I
0: was uh so so that's one of the biggest challenges right now um I'm, I'm trying just to find something for right <laughs> I was just looking for stats <laughs> yeah but yeah exactly it actually is a big challenge um no but the the purpose built rental thing in Vancouver and there's it's like staggering the numbers um and I I don't know if I actually have it so it doesn't really matter but um the whole point is that we we have just underbuilt uh the, the in that in that area for so long mm-hmm. Um, that, and we've welcomed so many new people to BC that it's like staggering. And now it's like, there's no incentives really for developers to, to build purpose built rental, which is a real problem. Right. But I also think like we are moving to a model very much like New York or other big cities where people will be lifelong renters. Right. And so I think that's just the natural progression. Yeah. And it, but if we can't provide stable housing, that's the, that's the problem. Like we need purpose built rental, like dramatic. In, but in REITs
1: real- are terrible, but all those big corporations. Well, this horrible. is,
0: and this is what I was going to like, that's the other thing too right now. Right. Cause we always need somebody to demonize in real estate mm-hmm. and, and for the politicians to demonize. And now it's like, I, my fear is that REITs like, cause you know, they're already, the NDP is already talking about REITs being kind of like bad actors and it's crazy because it's like, how else is it going to be built, right? I mean, and this is, this is who else, like the margins are so unattractive for anybody yeah. Yeah. that it has to be somebody thinking 20 years out. And I'm yeah. I'm going to assume <laughs> like that's if, what it is. Yeah, right? If
1: you're a renter, you're going to be treated better by a corporation oh, that you're renting. From I've,
2: I've had first hand data that it's way better to rent in these new purpose-built rentals than a landlord who owns that one property and doesn't really know the rules and regulations and it's way, but the corporations are not going to miss when they can increase your rent. Mm-hmm. It's coming in the mail either, that day. Neither am I. I know yeah. you're
1: one of those nice landlords that like doesn't increase rent. I'm like uh,
2: that property I sold, so it day. doesn't matter. But I try to be nice yeah, once every Every, hour, man. every once should, in a while, uh, this was fun, man. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank
0: you guys for having me. Uh, yeah. This is nice and great studio. Good to be I here. I don't know about that, but it's the studio. <laughs> we're oh, by the way, if you've listened this
2: long, for the record, I always make fun of Steve because I'm not here that often, but I can see this in his background. I always call it unused gym equipment. <laughs> unused gym equipment, right? It is actually real. It's not just props. And not, I, well, you must have cleaned it because it still looks. I pretty actually new, but... did
1: spend like yesterday cleaning this place for everybody to come through.
2: Pride yeah. of ownership. Pr- mm, there you, full you go. Full circle. There you go. I mean, if you were renting this basement, you never would have cleaned it like that's this. on the other part of the basement.
1: <laughs> Best tenants ever, though.
2: Adam, thank Van you so State. much. Uh, this was awesome. For people listening or watching on YouTube, what's the best place for them to go to find out more about your podcast and yeah. just you guys in general running your team?
0: Yeah, you can find us uh, at www.VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on all the major podcast players and then we're at ScalinaRealEstate.com as well. Re- and hopefully on YouTube too. One of these days, we're I'll gonna get you on that. we <laughs> have we'll to get pick you your on brain YouTube. here on that. So. Any
2: uh, For people listening to this, any recent episodes, that you've done that you think are like your favorite recent that they should go listen to? If they want to figure out who you guys are, what you do on your show, is there like, go listen to this episode with this guest? Yeah, that's a,
0: well, you know what? I, I, and I know I, I would say the Phil Soper episode, but I know you guys just had him on. So it's probably going to be a lot of uh, similar. Sure. But let me just quickly uh, look through here. I would say go and start with um, Daryl Simpson. Okay. Who, who was with Boza for years, and that's episode three hundred seventy four. Three seventy four.
2: What are we on episode like sixty one, sixty two? I want to say
0: this is probably sixty. Probably sixty. I don't we're, know. We're slowly catching uh, up. Well, we won't. We'll never I catch. Appreciate you, but... making the first hundred uh, episodes, though. That's, that's yeah, man. Hey,
1: yeah. Uh, we'll we'll do it virtually, and maybe yeah, we and we'll have here. to have you guys on our show. as 100%. well. Hundred so. percent. Would love to. A- anytime, whenever Tom wants to come back here, you know. Because I saw you guys are doing it in studio now. Well, you know what,
0: though, we stuff. we uh, we can send you out a link. Yeah. We'll
1: figure it out. All
0: right, man. You can right. wrap this up. Yeah. Hey man, oh, thank you so much recording Great you, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hopefully <laughs> we've been recording. All That's right. This flashing um, red button actually. Thanks
2: everybody for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on the audio platforms. Have an amazing day and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.